0: That's investher, H-E-R, con.com, promo code 100 best ever to get $100 off your ticket.
1: Don't throw yourself first into the deep end without a plan. That's how people fail. Instead, I would suggest to remove your roadblocks so you can breathe, so you have a little headspace, some margin, and some capacity that you can actually work on what really matters.
0: Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I want to invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference. Great way to earn money. And also, if you're planning on attending, great way to pay for your ticket, essentially. You get enough sales. So you can go to BEC20.com. And in the top left corner, it says earn 15% as an affiliate. You can click that, join the affiliate program, and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the Best Ever Conference in Keystone, Colorado. And we will be talking more about this on future episodes. But for now, go check out BEC20.com and that affiliate page, you can earn 15% as an affiliate, and we will see you in Keystone, Colorado. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know, Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best
2: ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm your host today, Theo Hicks. And well, today is Saturday. So you know what that means, Situation Saturday, where we talk about a a sticky situation our guest has found themselves in, how they got out of it, and the lessons learned from that experience. And today we will be speaking with Logan Freeman again. Logan, how are you doing today?
1: Energized, thriving, and focused. Yo, I'm really excited to be here.
2: We're talking a it beforehand. I'm loving the energy and looking forward to this conversation. I think it's going to be a very beneficial conversation for everyone who's listening. So, Logan Freeman, as I mentioned, he is a repeat guest. His episode aired on the 21st of September. So definitely make sure you check that out. This episode is going to be a little bit different. We're going to, again, talk about a particular situation. And that situation is going to be how to reinvent yourself after a traumatic experience. So Logan going to provide us with his story, and we're going to go from there. But first, a little bit about Logan's background. He's a real estate investor, developer, and agent. Has completed over 120 transactions in less than nine months. He's an ex-NFL player for the Oakland Raiders, as I mentioned to him before, my dad's favorite football team. Based in Kansas City, Missouri, you can say hi to him at liftfreeinvestments.com So, Logan, do you want to start off by giving us a little bit of background on, as you mentioned, transitioning from the NFL to the real world, so to speak, and then we can go into how others can reinvent themselves after going through similar transitions or traumatic experiences in their lives.
1: Yes. I would love to do that. So there's a pattern in, I think, everybody's lives. If you take a look at what's happened in your past and really try to be self-aware enough to understand that the choices that you're making in your life are leading to your outcome. So my background is very interesting in the sense of I have always identified myself with an athlete. Growing up, I was always in athletics high school i was always in athletics i was the captain of the football team college same thing captain of the football team so my identity was really grounded in what i'll call being an athlete and for the bulk majority of people especially collegiate athletes we are not going to go to the next level and in some sports there is no next level so i think this might be really applicable for people who are making transitions into the next phases of their lives so Back in 2012 or 2013, I had the privilege of being an undrafted free agent with the Oakland Raiders. Now, with that being said, I'm a Kansas City guy, so the Chiefs and the Raiders really don't see eye to eye. So I made one call to one of my best friends whenever I got that call, and he said, really? the Raiders? I said, hey, you take whatever team calls that you can go get a tryout in. I was able to go out there for a few weeks and really had a great experience with Dennis Allen and the late Tony Sperano out in in Raiders camp. So it was a lot of fun. as a great experience. But as a lot of ex-collegiate athletes and people who have the opportunity to play at the next level know that it's a pretty cutthroat kind of situation. And I was let go within about a month and a half of playing football and I had a decision to make. I call this one of my decision points in my life. So I was an offensive lineman, Theo, so I was 335 pounds. At the NFL Combine, I ran a 5-flat 40. I benched 225, the bench press test 29 times. I jumped a 27-inch vert, and I was 335 pounds. So I was very good physical, but at the end of the day, it's mostly a mental game out there. And being a Division Two athlete, I did not have the mental capacity and the speed of the game was really, really at another level that I wasn't used to. So it was a lesson in humility, but also a lesson in what I'll call needing to reinvent who I was as an individual. So I had a decision point to think about and think through. I could have stayed the weight that I was, and I was eating 10,000 calories a day just to keep my weight on, or I'd already been through two surgeries. Torn MCL, broken ankle, shoulders, all of it. And I kind of looked back in my life and I said, well, I can either try to continue to play football or I can go use my brain and try to make a career. So I decided to go back to school and get my master's degree. Well, this whole big transition point for me is when I started transitioning from identifying as an athlete into what I'll call a professional in the business world. And at this time, in less than six months i was able to secure a full-time job so i'll just run you guys through my regular schedule for six months i would wake up at 3 30 in the morning i would go to the gym and work out i would then go back to my apartment complex and get ready for the day i secured a full-time job cold calling educational vendors so we would scrape websites and sell data to educational vendors that they needed to contact k-12 educators and i would make 250 cold calls a day so I would do that for eight hours. I would drive the hour back to Warrensburg, Missouri, and then I would go to school from five to nine at night. And I did that for six months. And on Saturdays, I was at the library for 12 hours out of the day, just trying to get caught back up from all of the schoolwork. What happened during this period of time was very, what I'll call influential because it really implemented discipline and focus. I lost a hundred pounds during this time. I outsold every other seasoned salesperson at that job from just hitting the phones. And the biggest thing that happened during that period of time was I lost my father to drugs and alcohol. So he passed away in that December is when I graduated and January is when I lost my father. So this whole period of things happening to me, my life changing, it all happened so fast. But at the end of the day, I look back at it and I say, well, I know it happened fast, but it happened fast because I was intentional about what I was doing. So that was one of the decision points I had after football. And I've got some things I'd like to talk through because I know there's a lot to kind of unpack there and how I got into real estate after that. But maybe we'll just pause there because I think there's probably some questions or some feedback you might want to dive into a little bit deeper on how I was able to make that transition through all of those things differently happening to me at once.
2: Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. A lot of details there. I, I do have a follow-up question. So, Obviously, as you mentioned, your identity for the majority of your life was rooted in being an athlete. And then you mentioned over that six-month period, you were able to transition your identity from an athlete to a business professional. Was it a snap moment where it's like, all right, I'm start getting up at 3.30 in the morning every day, working out, and essentially going balls to the wall until nine o'clock at night? Or was it something that kind of slowly happened over time where you didn't really want to do it at first? and then eventually you worked yourself into that lost of old routine and worked yourself in, in that new routine, or was it somewhere in between? I'm trying to just, just figure out how you yeah. were able to, to, to mentally – because you mentioned you are in great physical shape, but your mental capacity, at least specifically for the speed of the NFL, wasn't necessarily there. So how are you able to do that? And before I let you speak, a lot of people I know have issues transitioning from doing one specific routine – And then completely throwing that routine up in the air and starting a brand new routine. There's usually some weird period in between where you're kind of like in limbo and I don't really know what to do and are kind of a mess. I kind of want to see if that's something that happened to you as well.
1: Yeah. So two questions there. One, I'll talk about that first, the first point of if it was a snap moment or if it was a process, right? So I think the decision itself Yes, I am done with football. I'll tell you guys another little story. So, after I was cut from the Raiders, I took a family trip with one of my best friends out to Las Vegas just to kind of clear our heads. I was with a bunch of younger guys, so it wasn't like a crazy Vegas trip. We were out in Lake Havasu and things like that. Well, one of the evenings, the San Francisco 49ers called. And I remember I was standing on top of this hotel in Las Vegas, and I answered the phone, and it was the 49ers' offensive line coach. And he said, Hey, Logan. You were on our board, our center just got a torn MCL. So he's out and we want to fly you out to camp. And I said, okay, that's interesting. His first question was, what do you weigh? This was less than four weeks after I had been cut, Theo, I had already dropped 40 pounds. So essentially my decision was made whenever I left Raiders camp. But the night that I got that call, it was a snap moment in my head that I was like, nope, I told them, no, I had lost this weight. I was not going back to play football, and I was moving my life in a different direction. After that moment, football was out of my head, and everything, all the energy, focus, motivation, and determination that I had for football was then poured back internally into myself to help better myself professionally and personally. So I now know that the decision was actually made the day that I left the Raiders, but it didn't really happen. Until four weeks later, when I got that phone call. So, right. thankfully, I did get a snap moment. And I think that's important for somebody to say Tony Robbins talks about there's always a point where your shoulds have to turn into musts. And if it was a should. I should stop playing football when I left Oakland, but it was a must the night that the 49ers called me.
2: Other than that, I could like, tell some of the terminology you're using is from Tony Robbins. Were you already into Tony Robbins at this time, or is that someone you came across later on in, in this process?
1: Yeah. Another interesting fact, whenever I was driving my hour from Warrensburg, Missouri to little old Sweet Springs, Missouri on I-70, I listened to every single Lewis Howes podcast that he had ever put out. And he was on maybe number 57 or 58 whenever I was listening. So I started at one and I went to however many episodes it was. And I re-listened to every single one of those. And he started talking about reading books and Tony Robbins and all these different people. So what I would do, and I would take Lewis's advice, I'd go read the books. And then that's how I got started on my personal and professional development realm. And then I got into guys like Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins and all these different people. So that was a mobile classroom for me, driving those two hours every single day back and forth. But no, I was not into personal or professional development outside of that. And that was the first time that I did that whenever I was making those drives after football.
2: Let's call it like a virtual mentorship from Lewis Howells and the Brian Tracy and the Tony Robbins. How big of an impact that have on you being able to arrive during this transitional period, or at least to make it through this transitional period and then come out thriving at the end?
1: Well, I think that, one, I also dove back into my faith during this period of time. So that was my number one driver. So that was the biggest thing in my life. So I'd always been a good Christian boy, but I really dove back in. So that was number one. Then number two was, okay, I'm working on my faith. Number two was, okay, what skills do I need to develop? And the virtual mentorship of reading books and listening to them on tape absolutely changed my life. I think there's a quote out there, you're the sum of the five people you most spend the time with, or it's something like, who you are in 10 years is the people that you meet and the books that you read. I am walking proof of that. Absolute walking proof. I had no idea who these guys were. Somebody handed me a Dale Carnegie book way back when. I had never opened it. So that's the book I started with, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And then that book set me on fire to go read Think and Grow Rich and all these other books. So that virtual mentorship, I'll call, yes, it was extremely, extremely important. Okay, so I would say there's
2: definitely one point to make about how to reinvent yourself after going through some sort of traumatic experience, again, which is subjective to everyone, is to have some sort of external accountability and not trying to go through it by yourself. For you, it was faith and any virtual mentorships. For someone else, it might be something different, but it has to be something as opposed to just
1: kind of just relying on your own head. (laughs) What I'll say on that point is, You have to have a belief either in a higher power, Theo, or in yourself. But it has to be extremely unwavering. Because I think that people get caught up with their self-worth being tied to outcomes. And if your self-worth is tied to outcomes, your confidence can waver. But if it comes from the preparation that you've completed and the foundational work and skills that you've built upon across those experiences, That's when you're going to have a whole lot more steady life because you're able to weather the storm. But if your self-worth and confidence is tied to your outcomes, there's things that you can't control in life. And that's the way it's going to be. I'm negotiating 102 units right now in the real estate world. I've done the best that I can now legitimately feel good that there's nothing else that I can do. If they take my offer fantastic, if not, I'll have to go find another one. But I think people get caught up with one, what other people think of them. And two, their self-worth gets tied up in their outcomes. It has to be tied into who you are, what you've done and having the self-satisfaction and knowing that you did the best that you're capable of. And that's John Wooden right there. That's his definition of success. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've adopted over my life. That's actually hanging up on my wall in my office here. So
2: besides what we've discussed so far, which is obviously very, very powerful and important advice. If someone is listening right now is going through a hard time, As you mentioned, maybe they've lost a family member, maybe they're going through some sort of identity crisis. What's the first thing they should do right now to to start working on transitioning out of that phase?
1: That's a fantastic question and one that I'm asked quite often. So I'm a firm believer that before you can have a breakthrough, you need to remove your number one roadblock, meaning you have to take inventory of yourself. You have to be real with yourself and really work through that one thing that's really holding you back. Once you identify that, you can remove that roadblock from your life and you can unlock a whole lot more potential. I'll give you guys an example. If money is your number one limiting factor, meaning all you can think about is where is my next dollar gonna come from? How am I gonna do this, this and this? What you need to do is not go start a company. What you need to do is mitigate and neutralize that limiting belief of money so maybe you have to work through a budget and you have to figure out what your expenses are get it down on paper and then get your stabilized income where you can keep your head above water and then you can work on your side hustle on the side don't throw yourself first into the deep end without a plan that's how people fail instead I would suggest to remove your roadblocks so you can breathe so you have a little headspace some margin and some capacity that you can actually work on what really matters But that takes maturity, self-awareness, and patience. And I think that's kind of what people get caught up to is they have this one thing they cannot get past. Well, Joe gets coached by Trevor McGregor. I've talked to Trevor many times. If you can remove that one thing, you will be surprised how much that's impacting the rest of your life. So I would say the first thing you need to do is be extremely self-aware. Take inventory of what your limiting beliefs are, what's holding you back, and then go mitigate and neutralize that, and watch everything else open up before your eyes. That's my number one step.
2: All right, Logan, is there anything else that we haven't hit on that you wanted to talk about before we close out the interview?
1: I would also just like to touch on goals, Theo, because <laughs> I'm a big goal setter, okay. What I have found this year in the last seven months of this year is I sat down in December. And I have goals that have actually limited my ability to go achieve other goals. And let me just kind of explain what that means. I had a goal and trying to work towards this goal of stability was actually hindering my ability to go see the big picture and work on other things that were actually going to move my business forward. So I was so focused on this one goal of completing stability for our family that I was blind to other opportunities that were actually where I should have been focusing my time on. So I would say that in relation to goals, make sure every quarter that you're reevaluating what those goals are and make sure you're not focused so hard on one that it's actually limiting other goals. So that's the only other thing that I really wanted to kind of touch on today.
2: Yeah, I think you're kind of living proof of that. Because people change so fast now. I mean, you went from literally being an NFL athlete to being a, a top salesperson in just six months. And so, if your goal for that year was to, only to get on an NFL team, then you never reevaluated that goal, then you would, would have never been able to do what you did during that six month period. So, yeah, reevaluating your goals is exactly. very about how
1: quickly things change. Man, it is so important, Theo. I could talk about this for four episodes if we really wanted to, but I think those two takeaways are plenty, and I'm going to stop chatting now.
2: All right, Lloyd, this has been a very inspiring and motivating conversation, but also a lot of tactical takeaways as well. Just to summarize some of the key takeaways for me, at least, you mentioned that transition for you when you look back. Maybe in hindsight, you realize that maybe subconsciously it was a snap. Decision because of the fact that once you were let go by the Raiders, you already started to, to to cut weight, You already started to kind of remove yourself from football. So when that call came in, you realized, oh well, I'm already over this. So you said no, and you were already on the next thing. So I thought that was interesting. I think one of the two biggest takeaways is number one, you need to have, as you mentioned, either an unwavering belief in yourself or in some sort of higher power in order to yeah. actually achieve your goal and transition through traumatic experiences and cannot do this on your own. You also mentioned the virtual mentorships starting with Lewis Howe and then how it kind of just expanded from there. Also about not tying your self-worth to outcomes because sometimes, and maybe the majority of times, the outcomes are going to be outside of our control. That's why Joe and I talk about 50-50 goals a lot, which is 50% of your goal is tied to the quantifiable outcome. The other 50% is tied to the skills you learned by pursuing that outcome that you can use to, hopefully hit that outcome the next year or another outcome later on in the future. And the second thing we talked about was also, I think a huge takeaway was the first thing that someone should do if they're having any sort of identity crisis. And let's be real, it's possible that everyone's going through some sort of crisis at every moment. <laughs> so we can always yeah. take inventory on what our limiting beliefs are, figure out what the number one limiting belief is or the number one roadblock, and then start brainstorming ways to remove that instantly or as quickly as possible. And once that's gone, we'll realize how much that was hindering our ability to, to pursue other goals. And then he also gave an example of even if you think you've got the right goal set, it might not be ideal because it might stop you from achieving other goals. And the example you gave was you pursuing stability for your family was kind of stopping you from doing things that move your business forward. So in order to avoid that happening, or at least mitigate the risk of that happening, make sure that you're consistently reevaluating your goals, at least on that quarterly basis.
1: You picked them out, Theo. You got them, man. You're so good at listening and actively writing those things down. So I think that you summarized that better than I could, to be honest with you, because I'm a big rambler.
2: <laughs> Rambling's good. The best conversations, are usually, with people who just kind of just go, okay, go, go, go. <laughs> My job's so, so again, Logan, I really appreciate it. Make sure you guys check out this first episode, which, again, aired on the 21st of September. Check them out at livefreeinvestments.com. Again, thanks for coming to the show, Logan. Hopefully, we can get you on again to talk about some more skills, or more situations, because you're obviously a wealth of knowledge. Best ever listeners, thanks for listening. Have the best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Thanks, to you Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way, and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com. What if you could earn 10000 per month net cash flow for life? Now you can at the Residential Assisted Living Academy. Gene Guarino teaches you how to take a single family house and turn it into a cash flow machine. Visit ralacademy.com to learn more.